Well, hello, Two Rivers family. If you would uh, get your Bibles out uh, where you are and open them to Mark uh, 13. Mark 13, we're going to cover the whole passage, the whole chapter uh, today. Uh, The message is entitled, Stand Firm, Stay Awake. Uh, Mark 13 has a lot of detail about uh, two huge events that Jesus is predicting uh, with his disciples. When Jesus is predicting, that's called a prophecy. And so he is giving two big prophecies sitting with his disciples. Um, The first in the chapter is the prophecy, the prediction of the actual destruction of the temple. Over the last two chapters, he's been denunciating the temple over and over. Uh, The beginning of Mark 13 and for the first 23 verses, he will give a prediction of its actual physical destruction, which that prophecy, that prediction actually came uh, true. It was fulfilled in A.D. 70 when the emperor Nero of Rome uh, came through with his armies and laid waste to Jerusalem. It was a siege of Jerusalem. And as Jesus said in verse 2 in chapter 13, no stone of the temple was left unturned. So the chapter is first the prediction prophecy of the physical temple's destruction. And then the second is uh, his prediction, his prophecy of his second coming. And then at the end of the chapter, There are two brief parables uh, that Jesus will give these word pictures for to help the disciples see and understand the two predictions that he gives them, again, of the temple's destruction and the second coming. Uh, Where he is when he's sitting with the disciples and giving these prophecies is on the Mount of Olives, which is just to the east of the temple, two miles down the Kidron Valley and up to the Mount of Olives, about two uh, miles. And he's sitting on the Mount of Olives, speaking to his disciples as they're looking west back over the Kidron Valley in the Garden of Gethsemane and looking at the temple. And it's almost when you stand there, I was standing uh, on the Mount of Olives last summer, uh, you can almost feel like you can touch the temple, even though it's two miles away. It's so huge. Um, it's almost as if you can touch it. And so that's uh, where he is. And Jesus, as you remember from last week, he has just left the temple for the last time. This is on the eve of his arrest and his crucifixion the next day. So what I'm going to do, because we're covering the whole chapter uh, in our time together, I'm going to really do more of a flyover. There's a lot of detail Uh, in this chapter, but I'm going to do a bit of a flyover today. I'm going to point out some big themes, and uh, we'll make a few kind of big relevant points for us in our lives as we end. I think that this is a super relevant text for us in our lives, in our world, in our circumstances today. Uh, Really, at the core, this is about good and evil, Uh, This uh, text is about standing firm, about his disciples uh, standing firm and staying awake uh, in a really fallen world. Um, It's about allowing these words of Jesus to bring comfort uh, and empower us in the midst of hardship, uh, in the midst of uncertainty and fear. 
so the disciples, again, they walk this two-mile journey. Jesus leaves the temple for the last time uh, from the temple to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples have uh, really big questions. I mean, Jesus had just told them they were honoring the temple and uh, talking about how beautiful its stones were and how majestic it was. And Jesus kind of rebuked them for that and said that no stone would be left unturned. Um, these, are, these are big questions. This is a big uh, thing that probably was making them a little, a little uncomfortable, anxious perhaps. And so their questions are simply this to Jesus. When will this happen? He had just predicted that uh, the destruction would be physically leveled. Uh, they wanted to know when this would actually happen. And is there a sign? I don't know if you've ever asked God to give you a sign. I know I've done that before. Uh, God, will you just give me a sign? I'm looking up into the sky. Like, will you give me a shooting star? You know, those, those kind of questions when we feel uncertain, we want God to give us a very specific uh, kind of confidential sign so that we know what to do. I think because uh, of Jesus's prediction and their uncertainty and probably angst around it, they wanted to know when and is there a sign. The reason why I think there was some angst about the temple falling uh, is because the temple gave the Jews such a sense of security. It's where the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies and just the sheer grandeur uh, of it and the beauty of it was so securing for them. And so uh, what they needed from Jesus when so many things was unraveling, when there was more questions than answers, they needed discernment. And so they asked questions to get some of this clarity uh, from Jesus. So I'm going to pick up actually in verse 5 in chapter 13. Let me start by reading uh, five, uh, verse 5 to verse 13 uh, in Mark 13. And Jesus began to say to them, they just asked him for the, for the sign and when these things would happen in verse 5. And Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. Remember, the context here is the end of the temple. Uh, he's talking about the temple uh, destruction. That is the first prediction that they're asking about. The end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines. But these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Verse 9, but be on your guard, speaking to the disciples. Be on your guard for they will deliver you, they will deliver you over uh, to councils, they, the enemies of Jesus, will deliver the disciples over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and they deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother even over to death, and father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. Verse 13, and you will be hated 
by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures, or the NIV says, the one who stands firm, the one who stands in faith, endures, stands firm to the end, will be saved. I'm going to pause here and unpack this, and then we'll keep uh, reading. Uh, rather, rather than giving them a very specific sign, what Jesus does is he tells them a few things that are going to transpire, but these aren't specific signs, but he talks about uh, false prophets or people of deception. He talks about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines. Jesus doesn't give them the confidential sign that they want. They wanted a confidential specific signs. Instead, Jesus tells them what are not signs, but these are things that will be coming uh, in their life. He doesn't give them the confidential sign that they want, but he does give them what they needed to endure it. And what they needed to endure it was discernment. I think this is super relevant for our lives. Uh, We don't always get what we want, but God always gives us what we need. And what these disciples needed on this day when there were more questions than answers and when they were about to face some real suffering and real persecution, what they needed was encouragement from Jesus. They needed to be given courage to face it and they needed discernment on what to do when they were facing it. And I believe we need the same encouragement today and we need the same discernment on how to live our lives in, the, in, in our life today and everything that's going on in our country and in our world. Jesus gave them instructions. He gave them warnings so that they would not be disheartened. He gave them warnings and instructions so that they would have discernment on how to walk through what was coming to them. There would be uh, deceivers. Here's the discernment Jesus gave him. Um, There would be deceivers. There's going to be false prophets saying that I am he, saying I am the Christ, the Antichrist. There will be deceivers seeking to lead them astray. Jesus tells them, stand firm. There will be persecution and wars and struggle and famine. And Jesus tells them, you must endure it. You will be hated for my namesake. You'll be arrested. You're gonna be beaten because of me to bear witness to me. Jesus says, preach the gospel, bear witness to me, even in these hard realities. You will be brought to trial. And Jesus tells them, do not worry about what to say for my Holy Spirit will be with you and the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. Now, again, this is specifically about the suffering that these 12 disciples would be facing in their lifetime because of what was coming from Rome and the literal physical destruction of the temple. Jesus is equipping them 
encouraging them, giving them discernment so that they uh, can prepare themselves for the world literally collapsing around them. They must prepare themselves to stand firm, to endure suffering and the hardships that they would face. Jesus isn't mincing his words with them. He is telling them what is coming to their life. They must hold fast that even in death, they will be saved. The one who endures, who stands firm to the end will be saved. What I want you to notice as Jesus is predicting this destruction and he's giving discernment and encouragement and teaching and equipping the disciples is this. Jesus doesn't promise them deliverance from these hardships and these circumstances. What he promises them is divine help so that they might endure it. I think that's so relevant. Again, what's such a relevant passage for us. Uh, we don't always get what we want, but God always gives us what we need. Sometimes God moves in such a way that our circumstances do change. But oftentimes our circumstances don't change, but God gives us the faith and the strength to endure what we are going through in our lives. Let me continue to read verse 14 again. Contextually, Jesus is still talking with the disciples about his prediction of the leveling of the physical temple, uh, which happened in AD 70. Jesus is speaking these words to the disciples around AD 33. And so his prediction is that sometime within the next 40 years, this is going to happen. And this was fulfilled in AD 70. And we know this from history. Verse 14, but when you, speaking to the 12, when you see the abomination of desolation, this is a reference from Daniel 9 to 12. We'll talk about that in just a second. When you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it might not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, the elect are those who believe in Jesus, who receive the, the gospel message, the person and the work of Jesus. But for the sake of the elect, those who believe whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, he's speaking to them. If anyone says to you, when this is all transpiring, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or look, there he is, do not believe it for false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect, those in Christ, the Christians. Be on your guard. I have told you all things beforehand. There is a lot of detail here uh, that we uh, won't have time to unpack uh, in uh, this message today. Um, there's so much commentary that you could read 
on that phrase, the abomination of desolation in verse 14. Uh, again, what Jesus is referring to, to here is uh, to, the, to the prophet Daniel. And that phrase, abomination of desolation, occurs a number of times in uh, Daniel 9 through 12. When the prophet predicts the same thing that Jesus is predicting here. And whatever the abomination is, some scholars believe it's, it's a person, it, maybe it's a thing, it's an idol. We don't really know what the abomination is. But whatever it is, I, I, I think and believe that what Mark intends his readers to understand Uh, that this is a fulfillment that Jesus is speaking of the same prophecy that Daniel spoke about. And so he intends his readers to understand it as uh, as a fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy as well. What I want to do again, we're doing a flyover in this message. The bottom line, Jesus is telling the disciples, within your lifetime, within your generation, things are going to get real intense real soon in Judea, in Jerusalem. And less than 40 years after Jesus makes this prediction, as he gives this prophecy to the disciples, all this unfolds, as we said before in A.D. 70, fulfilling the prophecy of Daniel and this prophecy of Jesus. So Jesus tells them, be on your guard, get ready for it. Remember their question, uh, is there a sign? When will this happen? Jesus doesn't give them a sign, but he, he wants uh, them to be ready to be on their guard. So um, he gives them a parable. I'm going to skip down to verse 28. He gives them a word picture, a parable, so that they can understand more fully what he means by be on your guard. And be ready. Verse 28, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation, your generation, your generation, your life, this generation will not pass away until these, all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. Verse 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now I see, I see verses, uh, the, uh, all of verses in um, chapter Uh, 13 up to verse 23 and then this uh, parable I see Jesus predicting this about about the temple destruction this is about something that was going to happen in the lifetime of the disciples and what I want to do is just simplify this for you if I can Um, again all this is taking place in their generation while they are living and so the fig tree parable and analogy just means that you can begin to see it unfolding just like summer is near when you see the figs leave leaf when the leaves are coming on the figs the temple destruction is near as well and here's the hope here's the hope for his disciples it is in verse 13 the one who stands firm to the end will be saved despite their suffering the future belongs to God's people because God will intervene in the world to destroy the work of evil forever this is going to get real intense 
real soon and their generation be ready for it. He tells the disciples, be on your guard. I'm not gonna give you a specific sign, but I am gonna help you understand discernment so that you can stand firm and endure and be ready to bear witness to me as you're going through all of these hard things and know that even in death, you will be saved. To the glory of God and amen. Um, Then he gives another prediction. He predicts the temple's destruction, and now he's going to predict his second coming. The first coming of Jesus uh, is the first advent. It's Christmas, and that's the first coming of Jesus. And now he's going to predict his second coming. And the second uh, coming is what he talks about in the next verses, which is to be distinguished between what he had just been telling the disciples. So he's making a transition uh, in these verses, verses 24 to 27. Uh, In verse 24, Jesus said to the disciples, But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in heavens will be shaken and they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. The elect, the elect are those who have trusted in Christ. We said that a few minutes ago, and Jesus is going to come in clouds, and he will send out angels, and the angels will gather the elect. They will gather the believers. They will gather the believers together because God is moving a new heaven and a new earth in the second coming. The hope of Jesus coming again, hear this, the hope of Jesus coming again enables Christians to endure any affliction, The hope of Jesus coming in his second advent, his second coming, empowers me, you, any believer to endure any affliction. And I hope that you believe that and that we can stand on that this morning as we uh, continue to dive into this passage. Do you believe that? Do you understand that? Do you stand firm on that? Now, here's what we Uh, need to understand about the second coming. Uh, No one knows when when the eschaton, the the actual end will come. Not even Jesus knows this, but we know that he is coming back because he said it is coming back. Heaven and earth will pass away. Uh, Again, in verse, uh, that was in verse 31, um, but my words will not pass away. We know that he's coming back because he said it, but unlike the temple destruction prophecy, there there aren't, he doesn't give the disciples any preliminary kind of warning signs like false prophets and wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines. He just says that it's going to happen. And then he shares this parable uh, that makes it really clear that we can't really know when it's coming, but but that it's coming, that there will be a second coming. Verse 32 uh, to the end of the chapter, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Jesus is telling his disciples, I will come again, but I don't even know when it will be. I only know when it will be when the father sends me. Only the father knows. 
And he says these words again, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man, here's a parable of a doorkeeper. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and he puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and he commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, he tells the disciples, stay awake for you do not know when the master of the house will come. Therefore, disciple of Christ, believer in Christ, follower of Jesus, me, you, all of us. Therefore, stay awake, exhorting us today now to stay awake for we do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the, e or when the rooster crows or in the morning. 36, verse 36, lest he comes suddenly and finds you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, including me and you, say to all, stay awake, be ready. Again, this is about the second coming. Uh, I think it's important just to, um, just to grab onto the, the reality biblically that not even Jesus knows when he is coming for his second coming. So I've always found it interesting when people try to predict it, when they look at things and they look at world events and all these things and people create these calculations and they pick a, a month and a day and they say, this is when it's going to happen. I think it's kind of silly to be honest because Jesus says himself, he doesn't even know. And so I would say to you as your pastor um, to encourage and exhort you in this, don't, don't listen to people that try to calculate and predict the second coming of Jesus. Um, the doorkeeper parable has a very clear element to it, and it is this. There is no advance warning to the second coming of Jesus. Uh, God obviously uh, doesn't deem it necessary for us to know such things. Uh, here's what we need to know, and here's what we do know. Jesus is coming back again. Jesus is coming back again. And so we can be hopeful and we can be expectant and we can stay awake in that. And so our call is to believe it because Jesus has said it. Our call is to expect it and to be ready for it and to stay awake for it. I wanna uh, close our time uh, with what I kind of think is really the key question of Mark chapter 13. Again, two different predictions. One prediction has already been fulfilled. The temple has been destroyed, AD 70. The other prophecy prediction hasn't happened. We're still waiting for Jesus to return. But I think the question for us to consider in Mark 13 is this. How does one, how does a disciple of Christ live in difficult times? And I wanna offer uh, three things to you uh, that I hope will be encouraging and strengthening uh, for you uh, today. Uh, the first is this. How do we live in difficult, uncertain times? Firstly, we rest in God's sovereignty. We rest in God's sovereignty and the hope that we have because of God's sovereignty. Verse 11, remember what Jesus told the disciples when they are wrongly arrested and they come before the governors and the enemies uh, of God. Uh, Jesus says, don't worry about what you're gonna say. The Holy Spirit will be with you. Emmanuel, God with us. We have the Holy Spirit with us. Verse 13 
the promise that all believers will be saved. Verse 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus' words will never pass away. And so in trying times, and the disciples were, were entering into very uncertain, trying times. They were literally a day away from, from Jesus going to the cross. In trying times, our hope, our security is not in the world. It's not in our finances. Our hope, our security is not in our health. It's not even in our safety. Our hope and our security is in Jesus the Christ, who is our cornerstone. Our hope, our security are in his person, in his words, in his promises to us. I love the verse in Hebrews chapter six that says our hope is an anchor for the soul. That is, that is where we find rest. How do we live in difficult times? We trust in the sovereignty of God. I think of the old hymn, uh, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness. And then in the chorus, as you know, goes on Christ, the solid rock, I stand, the cornerstone, Jesus, his words, his promises, his sovereignty in our lives, all other ground is sinking sand. So how does one live in difficult times? We, we rest in the sovereignty of God. Secondly, um, I think we avoid living and thinking and, and living in extremes. In uncertain times, I think the pendulum sometimes can swing in one of two ways. In one, uh, it can really uh, move toward a lot of anxiety and fear and even hyper fear. We just get overwhelmed with it. Or maybe the other way is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab onto everything that I can control and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go hyper control in my life. And neither hyper fear or hyper control really is connected to faith. And so we need to avoid these extremes. When we think about the eschaton, um, the eschaton just means the end times. Um, eschatological enthusiasts uh, can live on the extreme and they, they're looking at things and they're making all their predictions and they can get distracted with their predictions and lose the simplicity of the mission to preach the gospel as Jesus tells the disciples in our passage today and bear witness and to love our neighbor. The eschatological nonchalant, uh, which is probably where I would be if I was living in an extreme on this, can tend to be more inattentive. Jesus says over and over to stay awake. And so uh, the nonchalant in terms of the eschaton can be more inattentive or even skeptical sometimes of what Jesus says will happen. So in our text, Jesus specifically warns against eschatological hysteria. He tempers it and and he specifically warns us, tells us, encourages us to be on our guard and to stay awake. So how do we live in difficult times? We rest in the sovereignty of God. We avoid living in the extremes. And lastly, we get centered We get centered in Jesus and His words. We get centered in Jesus and in his words that will never pass away. Here's what we know. The coming, the second coming of the Lord is certain and it will happen someday. Our call is to stay awake, to be on our guard, to bear witness, to proclaim the gospel in word and deed.
I think about the disciples who were sitting on the Mount of Olives on this day before Jesus would be tried and arrested. And I think about what would transpire over the next few days, and we push it 50 days ahead to Pentecost, and we get into the book of Acts. And when we look in the book of Acts and the disciples who had experience with the risen Lord Jesus in his resurrection, the disciples continuously, consistently in the book of Acts preach the gospel in the face of bitter opposition. They were standing firm. They were enduring. They were operating and doing exactly what Jesus equipped them to do. They were operating with discernment and they were walking through really hard things and they were preaching the gospel. Here's the sovereignty of God. Here's the sovereignty of God. Persecution always leads to more proclamation. That's what we see in the book of Acts. Persecution leads to more proclamation. So my hope and prayer for us in our day today is that the same would be true in our uncertain times, in these uncertain days that we're living in, that even if we're pressed, that we would proclaim the gospel and that it the ministry and the mission and the kingdom of God would grow in us and through us to the glory of God. Let's pray uh, together. Lord, this is a lot of things, again, so many things in this chapter, but I I hope that I have been effective in uh, simplifying this a little bit for our church family and any other person uh, watching. Uh, This is about uh, your words bringing comfort and hope to us in hardship and uncertainty and the security that we have in your words. You are a promise-making and promise-keeping God. And so uh, I pray that as we think about these things, uh, Lord, that we would, that we would stand firm today in this season of our lives, that we would endure, that we would proclaim the gospel, that we would stay awake, that we would be on our guard, that we would be Jesus people grounded in Jesus and proclaiming the message of forgiveness by his blood and resurrection and the hope of eternal life to the people that you put in our path. Um, Lord, we want to be a people ready We want to be a people proclaiming your goodness uh, here in our city, uh, in our region, and around the world. We give you praise for your living word today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Um, It is so good to continue to offer these uh, online services uh, to you. Uh, I do want to just say real quick by way of announcement Uh, as well. Uh, We are working with Colorado Early Colleges about um, wading back in uh, to some Sunday morning services, prayerfully uh, mid-August. So uh, pray for our team, pray for our leadership. Uh, If you have questions about that, let me know. Uh, but we're going to continue to offer these online services. And if we're able to go back to CEC, when we are, we're working uh, on live streaming those so that we can kind of step out of the studio and you can actually see the services happening uh, there at CEC if you're not comfortable yet to come back and be with us. God bless you guys.